Hello all, welcome to the Lunar Sea Spire Cartoon Fan Podcast. This is episode 316, and today we'll be talking about Fuzzy Pink Time Babies from Summer Camp Island. I'm GC13. And I'm David. We finally made it to the season, the true, oh, well, <laughs> I was going to say the true season finale. It's not quite the end of a season, because Cartoon Network shows always change up what the definition of a season is on me. With Steven yeah. Universe, they went from being the standard 52 to 26 to not even quite. And this show is like twice, always twice as long as I think it is for both of its seasons. Like, I keep thinking we're, you know, anticipating season four, but really we're just anticipating the second half of season two right now. It gets confusing for me, and I don't know why, because it shouldn't be that confusing. I mean, this was the only summer camp island we had for a year, so at the very least, we can say it's the mid-season pre-finale. Yes, and it went a lot better than, I mean, Steven and Connie liked Under the Knife's pre-season mid-finale, but personally to me, it sounded um, sort of by the numbers. And this, this was not, well, okay, actually I have a note that is a little bit complainy about this episode with uh, calling it by the numbers. But for the most part, it, it's not. It's a very fun story that, you know, plays with more of the magic. It's, it's a little a little tropey. We freeze time and hang out, but it avoids some of the more cringy aspects of things that could happen when you and your best friend stay in frozen time. <laughs> it very much leans more on the side of what Summer Camp Island thinks happens, which is just you pleasantly come up with a chess game, but I, I was thinking of the episode of Jimmy Neutron where Cindy and Jimmy get stuck on an island and it, somehow Jimmy Neutron is in his underwear and they're like romantic. It's very disturbing from, oh, you know, I am just that very glad that I missed that episode. <laughs> you know, I, I enjoyed the hijinks that they actually did get up to. And finally now i've I've watched this episode several times and only now am i able to look at jim jams and yes. the wolves and realize that oh they are they are running away from him yes jim jams is the alpha for the first several times i'm like oh jim jams is being attacked by wolves and then it's it's always a funny <laughs> revelation when no jim jams is attacking wolves. i yeah that was probably the best joke they did i think that Otherwise, it's really hard to come up with a unique joke for Time is Frozen. Like, again, I think of the, what, Rick and Morty season one finale where Time is Frozen. And, you know, yeah, there's always got to be a surprise joke like, oh, we forgot to move that mattress under the right place. And that guy died, you know, falling out his window (laughs) or whatever. I mean, it's not like that they did that to him, though. So, no, at least you can say they only failed to save him. Right. By comparison, you know, this was an, a, a direct attack was made against Susie in this episode um, with the, with a hose. I mean, let's be fair. It's Susie. She's the perfect heel. Yeah. You know, and she uh, did she deserve she she even the beginning of this episode, she got just straight up assaulted. <laughs> she looked genuinely hurt. Yeah, that was a. I'd like to report a murder. I mean, she looked sad. I felt sad. It, it was a really sad start for the episode to think, you know, especially when this first came out. Oh, are we about to get a fundamental shift in the show? Is Hedgehog really going to leave? Of course, it didn't happen, but we did get uh, some very mysterious things come together, like seeing Hedgehog's father, whose face we still haven't seen since this. Man, that guy is not enjoying his work either. 
sweet, sweet retirement. I love the vision of adulthood. Or at least <laughs> Hedgehog's parents' version of adulthood that they live out. A very dour vision of adulthood. Yeah, Oscar's parents seem to be doing all right. Right. By comparison, again, just the fact that that's the only thing he, he's put in his, you know, 50 years of life to just get his his retirement, which is um, ultra depressing and not what Hedgehog is interested in at all. I'm surprised with what we've seen of Hedgehog's parents beyond even this episode that, you know, they ever let Hedgehog come to Summer Camp Island in the first place. But I guess... She wasn't earlier admitted to business camp, and now, you know, she had the opportunity. Yeah. Business camp. It sounds so ridiculous. It's, but they frame it so hilariously with, like, they they pretty much ride the line of using the word business itself as just a comedic word. But the fact that Hedgehog says, you know, that her friendships are going to get replaced with business relationships, that, uh, that just... <laughs> I, I love their handshake at the end there. I mean, I kind of wish they hadn't hugged after the handshake towards the end of the episode. Like, that was... They they accepted the reality after their triumph over the Jabberwock, and they were... I mean, they, they couldn't quite move on, but then it turns out they didn't have to. Hedgehog grew up as a result. Yeah, so the the fact that Hedgehog, you know, she's continued to build this, like, independence and not quite self-confidence. I feel like that's more... And not quite Oscar's realm of, of character development, but you know, Hedgehog has just become a more independent person over time. And being able to tell her dad, no, I'm not going to do the thing that you're asking me to do is pretty big considering they're 11 years old. Uh, <laughs> you know, that's a, a pretty big moment. Yeah. And it speaks it, it speaks a lot considering we don't see her dad again for two more half seasons. Mm. But But we do get a little acknowledgement that maybe Hedgehog's dad is receptive or slightly sympathetic because we see while he's receiving the news from Hedgehog on the phone that he yeah, looks wistfully looking out, out the window. The baseball game. Well, I was thinking the same word, but is it wistful? Is it wistful? We only see his head move toward the window. Does he actually, you know, it's completely ambiguous as to what he thinks about what he's seeing outside, you know, but it's a suggestion. He obviously regrets his life. I think he <laughs> does wonder what might have been had he gone down a different path. I mean, he definitely... Does he regret it or does he view it as inevitably life is unfair and you have to plan for your retirement? I don't know. I don't know. He sees other people are doing just fine. Yeah. Somehow, somehow he's, he, you know, has not completely forced his will on Hedgehog. But honestly, where's Hedgehog's mom in this too? You just think she'd also swing in. But, you know, maybe in their household, dad has the final word, which somehow just makes sense for their household. But, uh... Very traditional. Anyway. Yeah. Business, business oriented. Business, business, business numbers. Is this working? Ah, uh. <laughs> uh, but... Ooh, well, uh, this was the first appearance of Ramona. I like her little... She just swaggers in like she was always a character, you know? Very heavy Adventure Time vibes with how this whole Ramona thing happens. The fact that Ramona doesn't really explain who she is at all to Oscar and Hedgehog. Which makes perfect sense. Right, much like anyone else they meet on the island, it's just, oh, it's another, you know, friendly person. I'm the crazy old witch who lives between the seconds of the clock. You don't need another explanation beyond that one. Yeah, I mean, we never get anything else from anyone else. 
Right. And, and the, you know, the fuzzy pink time babies are just another creature on the island. Very adventure time. Right. And, you know, the amount of time it takes to find out something about, about her. Well, it basically takes the whole next half of the season one in order to find out much of anything. But what didn't feel adventure timey was how quickly they wanted to give us something to, to have a cliffhangery feeling on. So it, it was pretty irrelevant to the episode that Hedgehog found a picture of Ramona and Susie from what, 1896, 1892? Forget the exact year. 1892. Yeah. It did, it did feel a little, the, the fact that there was like full dialogue committed to it, to me, wasn't very elegant. I would have preferred if they were going to include a tantalizing detail about Ramona. I would have rather Ramona, you know, perhaps said something like, and how's Susie doing? Or something, you know what I mean? Just like something completely to the side that maybe after watching the episode, you'd be like, you know, is there some connection there? Or if there was a photo, I'd rather it have just been a photo frame that you could have just seen in the back of her house with absolutely no dialogue dedicated to it. But they wanted to set up the mystery because this is like a repeated thing that gets mentioned and that you're supposed to think about. but it's really not relevant to the plot of this episode at all. Like, they just kind of completely throw it in there in the end as if there wasn't a better way to include it, right? Like, this story is totally about Hedgehog, Oscar, business camp, and, you know, oh, just by the side that Ramona gets included because they happen to be freezing time. And I just think is a little, a little forced in there at the end. They're just foreshadowing the summer camp cinematic universe. You know, you got to get the, the tie-ins in. Right. I, it did feel very close to that. <laughs> I did enjoy the, the photo at the end in its, in its full implementation, but the fact that Cosmic Bupkis is the episode that comes immediately after this. Now, again, remember, it's almost a year in between Fuzzy Pink Time Babies and Cosmic Bupkis, but it's still the very next episode in the season. Basically has a whole recap of the photo angle, so they could have cut it out if they had something better. I just, think everything was fine the way it was it just feels uh rehashy when you're watching the series in sequence and apparently because you know i always read the wiki (laughs) for these episodes this was going to be the first episode of season two i.e you know the first half of part two of season one so in in a very real sense it is the pre-mid-season finale because it in fact was meant to be paired more closely with that episode so in that sense, it's, uh, again, you know, referring to Rick and Morty, where the end of season two is really part one of the episode completed in, in the first episode of season three. But again, even if that was the case, and that had been the way the episodes were released, I mean, I guess if it's a two-parter, you can go with that. But I still, I yeah, I guess there it would make more sense. The way it was implemented, though, was just, it to me, felt like just throwing in a cliffhanger for the sake of a cliffhanger. Eh, I don't think it's a cliffhanger. It's obviously a sequel hook. Right, well, and we love Susie, and they throw enough of Susie in here to remind us that Susie's a character we care about, and then, oh, isn't this connection very interesting? I just would, I love subtlety, and it's basically the same complaint I had all through Steven Universe. Every time it was environmental storytelling, I was like, look at my dumb brain. I love being told things indirectly. Oh, good grief. I loved the environmental storytelling of season one Steven Universe. That was the best. Like, and it's, 
and there you always get a mixture, right? This is the same joy of Adventure Time where, you know, you can't just have nuclear waste in the background and those kinds of things forever, right? Or like, what is this mysterious ghost following around Finn? At some point, you, you gotta say it, but what Adventure Time did so brilliantly is, or maybe not, because sometimes they abused this, is they, they put time. They just gave space between things, so you really had the chance to linger on ideas. And, you know, even Steven Universe did that because it finished without me knowing things that I wanted to know <laughs> desperately. So, you know, genius. And I, I do think that yeah. Summer Camp Island spaces things out a lot more so. Like, yeah, we do explore this more, but I mean... We still barely, and this isn't a spoiler, I hope, but we still don't really know. I mean, yeah, everyone doesn't want to age, but like we don't really have the full story yet on why Susie is, you know, 15 still. So I think that they definitely are, are not just, this is like pretty much the longest arc, <laughs> the biggest. I think this is the <laughs> mystery of Summer Camp Island. I don't, I don't know if there's a bigger one really besides the like general fact that there's a magical island in a world that's otherwise not aware of magic. Which does seem yeah. pretty interesting. It does make you wonder, though, if they have to sacrifice a pancake so that Susie can get a new hairstyle, what do you have to sacrifice so Susie can live forever? <laughs> I mean, are we talking waffles or scrambled eggs? I have never given any thought to the idea that it was that there was something really potentially bad that had to be done in order for Susie to maintain her age. I mean, they have to kill a living thing to give her a new hairstyle. You, you think <laughs> the immortality comes free? I don't know. I feel like the thing she sacrificed the most is just her friendship with Ramona. I don't know if that's actually powering yeah. her, uh, her age. But also, I just I, I think that this trope of characters that are you know older than they appear. Again, in my mind, I think about this idea super tied in with Adventure Time because... Princess Bubblegum to me when I was watching that show in its initial run, that was just a mind blower at the end of, I think it was season two. You know, oh, Princess Bubblegum isn't 18. She's like hundreds and hundreds of years old. How crazy is that? And pretty much at the same time, there was also skips on regular show. So I just, everyone Uh. at the same time started thinking, and you know, that was one of the running mysteries of, of regular show as well. And then of course you have the gems and Steven Universe who aren't immediately Uh. You know, known to be millennia old. See, that was episode 13, I believe. Yeah, I mean, was it Pearl just saying that they're much older? Much older than any human. Yeah. I mean, even Invader Zim was older than any living human. Uh, Apparently. So I went onto the TV Tropes website just to investigate, you know, were shows doing this before? You know, what was going on? And Cartoon Network shows, there wasn't really this theme. I did see Zim and I had... Totally forgotten that about Zim. Apparently he's older, at least older than any human on the planet, which, sure, okay, but is he, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years old? Is he Doctor Who, whose age just keeps seemingly expanding forever? <laughs> the dude. I think he's older. I think he's just a little bit over a hundred. I mean, if yeah. you if you look at, say, Tax backstory. Right. Uh, that seems about right. But this is just one of the most it, it it seems like it would be easy to overuse, but it does create it creates very a, a very easy way to hook people into the narrative. Like it's an easy mystery, and it just provides a character with literal backstory time to have a backstory. <laughs> you know, you don't you're not limited 
in the time scale. Like if you make your characters thousands of years old, that means that you have thousands of years worth of stories that might be interesting, which technically is true in like the linear view of time. Like (laughs) there's nothing saying that shows can't skip around in time and look in the future. You don't need a character to be a thousand years old to have an interesting backstory. How many awesome things has Benson done in his time? You (laughs) want to talk about regular show. Benson's just a perfectly normal character, and he's like an expert at everything. He is the coolest. Right. Except as a boss. He's a bad boss. But, like, instinctively, when we learn a character is old, we just think, oh, that's meaningful. Which, you know, you bring up a good point that actually it can be fun to have, perhaps in the same show, a character that's really old, but more revelations happen about a character that doesn't have that situation. (laughs) Before we finish, I just want to call out Ramona's big baby. <laughs> the big baby comes through the wall. That was fantastic. <laughs> I also don't remember the big baby returning. So mm. I don't know. Maybe it's only summoned if you shout its name that way, which is why we haven't seen it again. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, he probably wanders away after Oscar runs off. And then, you know, once the moon rock is back in the ocean, he's not with them anymore. You know, he's with all the other time babies and Ramona. Yeah. Yeah, so this this was fun fun ending. The mid-season pre-finale of Summer Camp Island was uh quite the quite the rollicking adventure tossing some time time travel to or time manipulation I should say to really give it that extra spice. Anyway, guys, that's been us on Fuzzy Pink Time Babies. Join us next week. Until then, I'm GC13. And I'm David. Don't forget to leave us a review anywhere you listen to podcasts. Later, everybody. Our opening and closing music is by Mark Soto. For more cartoon-related content, please visit LunarCeasefire.com.